exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS game. still and always will be hockey You can't you got it. I'm Alex Sharg. Welcome back. Following the Oscar Awards with a week of sports, tragic NASCAR crash, and Spartans in the NFL Columbine. All this and more. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. And along with the Spartans in the NFL Combine, the Detroit Tigers are kicking off their spring training schedule as they started off this week versus the Phillies, and they took on the Braves, and they've got some more games for another month or two before opening day. That's a month or two away from now. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. If it's your first time tuning in, let me explain to you a little bit how the show is set up. We start with MSU Sports first. That's your Michigan State basketball. That's your Michigan State women's basketball. And soon we'll be starting to get into some MSU baseball. We also touch a little bit on MSU hockey. And then, of course, we rely on you. So if there's a sport MSU that you want to talk about, feel free to call in as always. The usual number, 517-432-3893. Again, the number, 517-432-3893. If you'd like to talk about any MSU sports, any suggestions on sports that you'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Along with MSU sports, we also talk some Detroit sports. That's your Red Wings, Tigers, Lions, oh my. And then we get into some Pistons as well. And uh, it's debating how their season's going to end up, but we'll get into that too today. Uh, the, the only thing about this show is, is, is we say it often, it's, it's only an hour, it's once a week, and we have to cover multiple topics, and, and, and that's why we like relying on the listeners, so we know what exactly are the topics that are most relevant. And then along with your Detroit sports, we start a little bit with national sports, and as we're going to start off the show, as we start talking about things around 7.05, we're going to talk about the NASCAR crash that unfortunately injured 20-plus people uh, over the Daytona racetrack this weekend. So we'll get into that, uh, and that's a little bit of our national news we'd like to touch on, whatever is most relevant at the time. And then we have our usual Chad Ocho Zero segment, how it works is each week at the Sports Wrap. We talk about Chad Johnson. There's usually something new with him. Uh, he got a new girlfriend, actually. Uh, that's after uh, all his domestic abuse cases against his ex-girlfriend, against... Uh, illegally posting sex tapes that's against all the things that has happened to him being cut from the Miami Dolphins losing his job getting sued by multiple companies for misrepresentation all that about Chad Johnson well guess what this week uh, the thing is is there really wasn't anything new with him this week but the one thing is is, is that is that we at the sports rap we follow Chad Johnson on Twitter and the the funny thing to me is just just the fact that a little bit of his personality just comes out in these tweets let me give you a, a great example Three days ago, February 22nd, Chad Johnson tweeted this, quote, I've made four grammatical spelling errors since the new year has begun. That's unacceptable, and I won't be tweeting for a week. Well, guess what? Chad Johnson only waited three days until his next tweet. So although he said he was done, he admitted, he said, oh, I'm done for, for a whole week because I, I've made four errors. It's unacceptable. Didn't really take long for him to get back into Twitter. Only three days Long Again, uh, for those of you tuning in, we also have a little bit something that we like to quiz every week, and it goes something like this. Score of the week. 
That's right. It's our score of the week at the Spartan Sports Wrap. Each week we ask a trivial question, and if you get the question correctly, you will have the opportunity to receive a pair of movie passes to see Russell Crowe and Mark Wahlberg in Broken City, Celebration Cinema. If you want more information on that, 517-393-7469 is the number, and you can go to celebrationcinema.com. If you want to look up more information about that, too, the Impact would like to thank Celebration Cinema for their continuing support. And remember, you can win once a week, so you definitely want to stay tuned each week, uh, each week in out. Uh, so the question this week is: in, in past weeks, we talked about the question being about uh, who is the biggest punk to ever set foot in the city of Detroit. We didn't get too many original answers on that, so we're gonna we're gonna mix up the question this week. And the question is: What Tigers rookie? Uh, well, basically, what recent Tigers call-up to the majors hit his first home run? Uh, yeah, that's his first. This is Remember, this is his first homer of the season in the spring training. So which Detroit Tiger, uh, you know, who's trying to make his case on the 25-man roster, hit his first home run today, literally hours ago? Who hit his first home run in 2013 in spring training? Which Tigers Young young gunner. So if you know the answer to that, you need to tweet your answer at 89FM Sports Rap. You could also feel free to call in at 517-432-3893. Again, the question, which Tigers young gunner hit his first home run in the spring, making a very, very good impression to make that 25-man roster? Again, that is our annual question of the week. If you know the answer to that, feel free to tweet at us or call in. And again, if you are just tuning in, remember, we are a wide-listened station as far as San Jose State University and and, uh, and California and even Miami, Florida. We are a national station, so we'd like to thank all of those who continuously support the impact and remind you, every Monday from 7 to 8 is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Kicking off the show, I want to get into it right away. A uh, little bit of a, a little bit more of a, uh, a little bit more of a sad note here is the NASCAR crash. Uh, if you did not catch it this past weekend, Daytona Beach, Florida, was the spot for the highlight of the Daytona 500. Uh, of course, if you do not know how it works exactly, uh, the Daytona race works exactly like baseball, and what I mean by that is. When there's the major leagues, below the major leagues, you have triple A. Then below triple A, you have double A. And then you have single A. That's your opportunity to work up to the big boys, to the MLB, and maintain a spot on the team. Now, NASCAR works something similar like this. They have circuits. So the final circuit on Sunday, that that's all the big gunners. That's when you saw Danica. That's when you saw Jimmy Johnson. And the day before that was circuit two. Now, Unlike baseball, when you're when you're a Triple A guy, you're not very relevant. Now, some of these Circuit Two NASCAR racers, I mean, there's some pretty big names. If you if you want to talk about you know some of the guys you know in this quote unquote tier two of racing, you'd be very surprised. I mean, Kyle, uh, Kyle Larson, uh, very very well known racer. I mean, it was it's actually his first race, but a lot of hype coming into him. He's just a young up and coming guy with a lot of talent. I mean, it's it, it has a wide viewing audience regardless of what day it was. So if you did not catch it, 28 people were injured as Kyle Larson's car was completely split in half, was completely thrown against the wall. This was during the last lap, remember now. And this this pieces of his car, the engine, the shattered glass, uh, you know, all kinds of front clips from his engine sliced off, went onto the fence, and some of it flung over the fence into the stands, into the spectators, 
and the the burning engine was just there on fire. Uh, a couple people were in critical condition. That were there were two people in critical condition uh, that were taken to a nearby hospital. Uh, another thing very important to know about this crash is. Uh, it's just in such a relevant race. I mean, this is the Daytona 500. I mean, we've seen all kinds of cases, which we'll get into in just a second. And it's been talked about all day. You could turn on your TV and, and hear about this NASCAR ordeal. But the funny thing is, is that it's it's a very, very relevant case because so many times we've seen injuries from players. We've seen injuries from referees. But it doesn't happen often when, uh, besides if you want to bring up, bring up the the Pistons brawl, you know, years ago, that the fans get a little bit of action of the injuries. So, of course, a very sad story that's coming out after this weekend. Uh, and, of course, we've had all kinds of people comment on it. Uh, I was listening, uh, you know, to some, some some journalists in the field talk about it today. What could have been done? Uh, of course, I actually talked with Terry Fitzwater today, uh, who is a uh, he's a veteran in the mid-Michigan racing scene area. And, and he had some pretty good thoughts and some suggestions on what they should do about this crash. Uh, he suggested maybe raising the fences a little bit, getting a glass screening fence, besides that just the the typical metal fence that they, they usually have in NASCAR. And we've seen it with baseball. When 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 the, when the, when the spectators started to get injured, he started to bring up, you know, that lining. You see the lining right above and right behind the batting cage that, you know, goes skyrocketing feet high. So even in hockey, you know, before the glass, they, they didn't even really have glass years ago. So, of course, it, it just symbolizes a start and, of course, a change that looks to happen with NASCAR, NASCAR races. Uh, if you're a NASCAR fan listening to the Sports Wrap today, I want to ask you this because this is something I'm trying to figure out. Kyle Larson, the guy who, who, uh, whose car got wrecked, he was obviously very close in the final laps. He was in the final lap. This happens all the time where... You know, people spin out, catches on fire with cars. But could have, could Kyle Larson, could he have done anything to avoid this crash? Could he have swerved out a little bit? Does this just happen? And after talking to some people, th- this kind of thing happens. And when you're in a, in a car that's 180 degrees hot, you know, for so long, it's it's grueling. It's grueling. You know, there's always continuous debate whether it's a sport. You know, it's it's quote unquote NASCAR, and racing really isn't a sport. Well. You know, there's reaction time, there's durability, there's stamina. There's there's so many aspects to NASCAR that oftentimes are underlooked. But if you feel otherwise, if you, if you want to tell us on the air that NASCAR isn't a sport, or if you think that Kyle Larson could have done anything about this aggressiveness that turned to his car burning out, 517-432-3893. We usually have a guest every single week. Last week we had Clarissa Bell with us on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Uh, this week, there is just so much to get to. Spring training in full force. The Detroit Red Wings dealing with some quote-unquote blurry vision from goalie Jimmy Howard. Uh, wanted to touch on that and, and more into the injuries along with NASCAR. Uh, also, we want to talk about the Detroit Pistons. We want to talk about MSU basketball and getting MSU hockey. There's just too much this week and too many news stories to get to for us to not neglect any of it. Uh, again, along with Kyle Larson, uh, there is uh, Ryan Newman came out and said this, quote, somebody is going to be killed at Daytona, end quote. Ryan Newman consistently saying that one one of these times at Daytona, it's just so aggressive and everyone wants to win that race so badly. The prize possession of the Daytona 500, Ryan Newman says somebody's going to be killed at Daytona. Now, this obviously distracts a lot of attention off the race and puts a lot on NASCAR. It puts a lot on the organization. What can they do? Are they looking at what Ryan Newman said? 
Are they going to look at some of the early shots, some of the the new features on cars? Are they going to look at you know some of the engines, some of the you know the rotate? There there are so many features that goes along with this story and this crash this weekend. It's monumental in the world of sports. So again, if you'd like to comment on NASCAR before we move on to another topic, the number five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Again, the number 517-432-3893. And if you know the answer to our question of the week, you got to ask it. Which Tiger hit his first home run this week? Uh, and remember that that first player who hit his own, that hit his home run in a Tigers uh, in, the, in the spring, he's a young gunner. He's a young gunner trying to earn his spot in the team. And if you know the answer, who hit his first home run today with the Detroit Tigers this spring, Young Gunner, trying to make his way on the roster, feel free to tweet at us or call in. Uh, moving on now from, from NASCAR, uh, I want to get into some from racing to the race against the Big Ten competition. Uh, this is going to be probably a little bit of a segment. We go at it hard every week, but of course we got to touch on MSU Sports. That's what you want to hear first. So you want to hear about your Spartans. And when you want to hear about your Spartans, you want to hear the Big Ten race of basketball. Last Monday, we talked about the Indiana matchup, and they unfortunately did. They took their first win at the Breslin Center since 1991. Uh, that is 20-plus, uh, I think that statistic was 17 straight losses uh, at the Breslin Center. But, uh, of course, Indiana proving that they, they had no fear whatsoever, uh, and along with Indiana having no fear, uh, the Spartans just could not get it done. Gary Harris actually got the Spartans back in the game with seconds to go, three seconds to go. He got fouled on a three-point attempt when the Spartans were down by three. Unfortunately, Gary missed his first free throw, made the second, and then tried to miss the third and laid in. That unfortunately did not happen as Indiana continued with a victory, 72-68 against the Spartans. Uh, a lot coming out of that game. We'll start it off with with uh, Cody Zeller. Uh, there's a lot that's been talked about about Cody Zeller, uh, uh, you know, and the reason is 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 mainly because of this quote unquote dirty play. And when I say dirty play, uh, you you gotta look at it in in, in two different ways. Uh, one, if if you did not catch the play, uh, what had happened was is is, is Cody Zeller, the young gunner, uh had a little bit of a, a twist up with Derek Nix. Now, Derek Nix was eventually called for the foul, but if you were look at the replay, you can kind of see Cody Zeller moving Derek Nix's hands into him. Uh, I'm not going to make any statement on whether I think that's true quite yet. Uh, there's still a little bit of investigation on it. It looked as if, as if although Derek Nix reacted poorly to it, it looked as if Cody Zeller kind of made the foul happen. Now, there's obviously debate whether that holds some truth to it, whether Cody Zeller is a quote-unquote dirty player. Uh, I'm not too sure. If you think that that play from Derek Nix to Cody Zeller was fair, if you thought it was dirty, if you thought that Nix deserved the foul no matter what, we'd love to hear from you. 517-432-3893. Of course, it's a hot topic right away. love to get into it. And here's the other thing, is we've seen Knicks in game situations, uh, personally, we've seen Knicks ha- with called fouls consistently, and we've seen his reaction. And each time, Derek Knicks' reaction is is normally an upset action. I mean, this isn't the guy, I, I don't think, that is going to go out there and, and really, you know, hone his anger out on the opposing player. Every time we've seen Derek Knicks get angry, he's kept it to himself. Sure, he's he's been angry. But he hasn't taken out on a ref. He's never taken that out on a player. 
uh, for, for what I can remember. Now, now this was a little different because Derek Nix, of course, was yapping at Izzo a little bit. And he was yapping at, you know, he was following the ref around a little bit. This, this was a completely different case, and this was against the number one team in the country. So this obviously adds some more to it. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the Derek Nix, quote-unquote, uh, foul from Cody Zeller to him, if you think that it was a dirty play, if you think it was a relevant call, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, moving on from Derek Nix uh, and Cody Zeller is Oladipo. I mean, this guy, we, we saw it when Alex Garner was in the game. Uh, off an inbound, Alex Garner was turned around. Uh, he, was, he was actually playing playing the uh, the other players rather than the inbounder. Uh, Oladipo was taking the ball out of bounds. And if Oladipo was taking the ball out, there's four other players on the court. You know, there's Zeller, there's, there's, there, 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 there's four guys and one guy taking it out. Now, now, nobody was open on the play, and Ghana was turned around. He, was, he wasn't looking at Oladipo throwing the ball and bounce uh, under the basket. He was turned to the players running around, trying to get open. So what Oladipo did, if you missed it, was he threw the ball off Alex Ghana's back, hit Alex Ghana's back, the ball bounced back down. He steps inbounds, so it's basically passing it to himself. He throws a pass off Ghana to himself, goes up for the layup, and 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 basically slams it home. Now, that, I mean, that's just something that adds so much to a player, regardless of how many three-pointers he makes, regardless of his leadership ability. Just his creativity on the court is, is tremendous. I mean, we've seen it sometimes in National Basketball Association games. You know, we've seen this on the professional level. And, and to see a guy like Oladipo in such a critical game, using that, that creativity in a mindset where you could be thinking of so many different things, so many different strategies, coaches yapping in your mouth, you have your family behind you, and, and for him to use such creativity. Uh, Dick Vitale came out today and said that Oladipo is debatably one of the best players in the entire country. So, obviously, his legacy and what he did that game uh, definitely moves on. Of course, if you want to talk about Spartan play, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I want to recap the Ohio State game uh, that took place last night. Uh, Ohio State knocked off the Spartans uh, within 10 points. It was a close game up until the end. Just painful to talk about, game in and game out. But yes, Ohio State knocked off the Spartans on the road. The Spartans were on the road. Kraft put up a career-high 21 points. Uh, the MSU defense could not stop them. And then towards the end of the game, the Spartans were within you know, six points or so. Uh, Dawson tried taking the play with about 30 seconds to go. Could not, really could not lay it in. And the Spartans, of course, with costly turnovers towards the end of the game. The usual Tom Izzo garbage, you know, with the, you know, in terms of, you know, talking about the garbage play at the end of the game. You know, coming off to the press, talking about what he saw from each player. Talking about Appling's performance. Talking about Payne, what he's been doing pretty well on. And, And that's another thing to note right there. Is Adrian Payne has put up 12 points and had 15 rebounds last game. And, and the the funny thing about that is in the first half alone, out of the 15 rebounds total that Payne had, 15 of those rebounds, 10 of them were in the first half. In the first half. So that means regardless of his foul trouble, regardless of all the situa- situations he went into, he still was able to knock off 15 boards and only and out of those 15, 10 of those being in the first half. I mean, tremendous. Uh, he could have ended up with 20 boards if he played the whole game, debatably. Uh, if you want to comment on Payne's future, is this guy really 
honing his leadership onto this team because right now I'm pretty convinced myself that Payne is the leader. And the reason is it's because he's backing up his play. He's a guy standing up on the bench, not taking a seat during the Michigan game. He's every coach's dream in terms of guys with the tenacity, with the fire, the guys that want to see their team win. Uh, and, 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 if, and it's just incredible because um, and Adrian Payne's the guy that, that could – when it comes to tournament time, take this team to the next level. Uh, if you think otherwise, if you th- think that uh, Nebby Payne is a little bit, little bit uh, not mature quite yet, um, if you think that Payne is, is actually the best big man if you compare him to Derek Nix, um, if you feel that, 517-432-3893. Moving on from Adrian Payne and, and that play, I want to talk about Keith Apple. This is the guy when we played Connecticut, when we played these tough teams. This is the guy that was the consistent leader that made those big plays at the end. You know, This is the guy that you could rely on down the stretch to execute. You know, you execute those assists, execute all the necessary, you know, uh, all those necessary leadership-type plays that you would expect out of your starting point guard. Uh, but uh, again, I mean, this is two straight games against two great teams. You know, there's the you know, Appling had to face the Oladipo, face the Kraft, consistently face multiple defenders on him, and he's had some struggles. Obviously, his shot's been really off. Uh, he's had some costly turnovers, but you know what? Consistency is a big thing. And although you can make the argument that yes, you know, these are two great teams in Ohio State, and Indiana. This is the, the, debatably the best team in the entire country. Uh, but of course, this is the time where Spartan fans have high hopes. This is, you know, a pretty veteran team, regardless of the loss of Brandon Kearney. Uh, but if you think otherwise, if, if Appling, if you're not too worried about Appling, we'd love to hear from you. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. You can also tweet at us at eighty nine FM Sports Rap uh, if you'd like to call in. Uh, along with Keith Appling, uh, Travis Trice came out and is back from his injury. Uh, he played in both games, and of course, he contributed. He hit some pretty good. He hit some threes, made some pretty good passes. Uh, nice to have him back. So again, uh, just recapping all that. Uh, Spartans going down two games, but now it comes for the Big Ten title hopes. Are you worried at all about the Spartans' chances after these games? Uh, just, just after what you've seen out of both of these games, uh, is there anything at all that worries you? Is, is it Appling's play? Is it the fact that? Uh, that you like to see that Derek Nick stepping up a little bit more? Is it more that you'd like to see more out of the out of, of the Spartan bench? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can also feel free to tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. Uh, and again, and along with you know all of the Spartans that that are you know having some flaws in this current time, there's always a lot to look forward to as the Spartans next game. They're, they're facing Northwestern, Wisconsin, the next two. And hopefully they can pull out some wins there. So a tough, a tough schedule for the Spartans coming down the stretch as they look to have their Big Ten title chances. Uh, we have about five minutes before the break, five or six. So before we jump to a quick break, I want to talk about the NFL scouting combine. And the reason I want to talk about it is because there are four Spartans, four Michigan State Spartans that have decided to either A, leave early or have graduated. They are at this combine. Uh, those Spartans are Le'Veon Bell, Will Golston, Deion Sims, and Johnny Adams. And actually, a Chris Norman, who actually was maybe going to uh, participate at this combine and, and maybe test the waters for uh, his professional debut in the NFL one day, 
besides maybe a practice squad. But Chris Norman had some news coming out today. We'll get to that right after the break, so you definitely want to stay tuned about Chris Norman. Uh, He's foregoing the NFL, and he's doing something else. So if you want to hear about what Chris Norman is doing, if you want to hear some news about the Detroit Red Wings and Tigers, you want to stay tuned after the break. But real quick, uh, basically I want to hear from you. Which Spartan's going to be the best in the NFL? Is it a Le'Veon Bell? Is it Will Golson? Is it Deion Sims or Johnny Adams? Uh, Just a little bit about the four guys that have started so far. Le'Veon Bell running a 4.640. I mean, this is a guy that many people thought that would run a 4.8, a 4.9, but, you know, he's been in shape. He's been training. This is a, this is a, this is not your prototypical NFL back. This is a back with a way more elusiveness, a way bigger frame. And this is a guy that, that many opponents in college football fear. And it's debating how it's going to be to the NFL level, but just keep in mind that Le'Veon Bell's 4.640 time, if you compare him to other other college backs, Nebraska's Rex Burkhart, Burkhead, 4.73. Notre Dame's Theo Riddick, 4.68. So not only did Le'Veon Bell showcase that, but he also outpaced Wisconsin's Monty Ball, who ran a 4.66 and showed more speed than he expected. So Le'Veon Bell pulling out all the stops, looking to ma- basically have a staple on himself in the NFL. Um, I- I'm excited to see it. And, of course, I- I'm sure we'll hear from people in a little bit here on the air. But, yeah, if you're running a 4.6, you have to remember that Denard Robinson ran a 4.4. So, you know, if you're if you're comparing him to some other players, that is really fast. I mean, it's very evident that Le'Veon Bell has obviously been training, you know, within these last two weeks leading up to the combine. And even before the last two weeks, I'm sure he's been training months in and months out. So congrats to Le'Veon Bell on his 4.640 time. His draft stock has definitely raised. He uh, probably is now, actually reports are saying that he's in the top three for running backs. So very good to see with Bell. So he could be a pretty high pick uh, if you look at it from that angle. Uh, So another thing about Le'Veon Bell uh, if, if you look at his comparisons to the backs, is, is he quick enough for the NFL? Sure, he can run a 4.640 straight on, but then there comes breakaway speed and acceleration. Then you, you lay in the factors of, uh, along with his elusiveness, his agility. Uh, there are so many aspects when you when it comes to judging a, when it comes to judging a player that you look at. And if Le'Veon Bell can can basically fit all of those identities, it's very fair that he can be a very very impactful player in the league. Uh, moving on from Bell, I want to talk about Will Golson for a second. I mean, there's been a lot, a lot coming out from Will Golson about his inconsistent play. Uh, is he going to be an every-down guy with his physical tools? No question he's got the physical tools. Uh, but is he going to be the guy that's going to sell teams? Is he going to be the guy that you'll feel comfortable starting on every single down? And, and can he play multiple defenses, multiple schemes? Uh, to be honest, uh, his response is his response to... Some of these questions about his, his play is this. And this is what Will said. Quote, I respect what they say because some plays it does look like I took plays off. But I can say I was playing in the scheme of the defense. And I had to be in that position at the time. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be fundamentally sound this season. I don't believe I took any plays off. If you take a play off in football, you could break your neck. End quote. So obviously... Uh, a little fishy about the response. Uh, you know, it says that he understands it looks like he took some plays off, but he says that the reason it looked that way is because that was the scheme of the defense, and that was, those were the plays that was called. So, to be honest, let's talk about that for a second. Is is just coaches calling plays and then being that playmaker? 
Because there's so many times, I'm sure if you're listening, if you've played high school basketball, if you ran track, if if you played on a football team, baseball, whatever sport it is, you have your coach telling you. You have your coach telling you what plays to run. You have that scheme that he wants you to run. Because, sure, the coach definitely contributes to the impact of the game. Now, there comes that other aspect of it that, that, that says that, listen, although you call a play, me as a player that sees it in a different eye that the coach may not see, I see this play a little bit different, and I'd like to do something differently. Now, a little bit differently, maybe instead of Will Golston you know, running in a, in, a, in a contain, a defensive end contain, maybe he sees himself going hard at the quarterback. Now, you know, that obviously can be debated from the coaching staff and some of the analysts, but of course Will Golston sees it differently. So uh, do you think that Will Golston, in, in those cases, if that's what the coach wanted to do, should he have not minded the coaches and done what he wanted to do? Should he have nixed a play if a, if, if a player's running out to the left and, and kind of fouled them a little bit more? If you think otherwise, or what are your thoughts on the coaches basically limiting Golson's playmaking abilities here? 517-432-3893. But, of course, Will answering the call saying he didn't take any plays off. If you take a play off in football, you can break your neck. So, uh, obviously, answering the calls, and it's still... Interesting to see what his consistency lies. More on Will Golston, more on Johnny Adams and the news of Chris Norman when we come back from this short break. Keep staying tuned to the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm Alex Sharg. We'll be back in a second right here on Impact 89FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sitter Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Gentlemen, want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. I'm Alex Sharg. If you're just tuning in, let me explain to you how the show works a little bit. We start with MSU Sports first. That's your basketball, that's your football, that's your NFL, basically your NFL scouting combine for the week in terms of Spartans. And then we get into a little bit of hockey, a little bit into volleyball. Whatever you want to hear, we want to hear it. So uh, uh, feel free to call in, 517-432-3893. If you missed last week's show, Clarissa Bell joined us. She talked about the women's success uh, and some of the you know difficulties that come with that. Uh, so if you want, you can go to the podcast link 
and uh, look at the podcasts uh, from last week. You can go to impact89fm.org and then go down to the podcast and you can see it all. Um, actually, we have some news that Josh Mansour from State News, he's going to be joining us in just a little bit. We'll hear what he's doing now, his thoughts on the Spartans games, uh, and a whole lot more. So excited to have Josh on with us in five minutes or so. Uh, I'm sure he'll love to talk about uh, MSU basketball and a lot more. And uh, just excited to hear from him. We haven't had him on in a while. Uh, of course, he's very, very busy covering a lot, so appreciate the time that Josh has dedicated. Along with Will Golston, I want to talk a little bit more about him in terms of, of a statement that was brought to his attention from 14 NFL teams. What I mean by this is when Will Golston decided to declare for the NFL draft, when he foregone his senior year to go to the NFL, he was told this by NFL teams. He said that according to 14 teams around the NFL, they told him that he would be selected in the first three rounds if he decided to leave. So if he left this year, odds are, better chances are, I guess, that you would be drafted, Will, in the first three rounds. Now, that is a very alarming statement to me. Uh, one being the fact that there are injuries, there are psychological testings that are very important. What if a player sometimes uh, isn't psychologically inept? What if he his physical tools decline? What if he has a severe injury when he's off the field? Uh, promising Will that he's going to be drafted in the first three rounds, I don't think is necessarily the right route. Now, they could have said that maybe you will be drafted in the first three rounds if you maintain your health. You'll be drafted in the first three rounds. Uh, maybe if if you if you show us your abilities at the scouting combine, uh, if you show us your abilities uh, outside of the scouting combine, uh, if you show us your abilities when it comes to making those psychological decisions on the field, those leadership decisions, we want to see what you can bring, see your vertical. There's there's a lot more that comes with it, and uh, basically. We don't really know if the first three rounds are all, all pretty much all about there. So if you feel otherwise, if you think that NFL teams were right on telling Will Golson that, hey, uh, if you come out to the draft, if you decide to forego your senior, if you decide to forego your senior season, then we will give you the light and day uh, and give you a pick in the first three rounds. So again. Will Golston foregoing his year to pursue the NFL. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not so sure that he could be drafted in the first three rounds. Sure, he has the physical tools. But it's a little uncertain whether it's going to follow through. So, again, we'd love to hear from you. 517-432-3893 is the number. You can also tweet at us. At 89FM Sports Rap is the number. Uh, and also along with the number... Uh, it's also very clear that we have our annual question of the week, so you definitely want to answer that as well. Uh, along with Will Golson, before we are joined by Josh Mansour, I want to talk about the performance of Deion Sims, because Deion Sims was clearly there at the combine. He was clearly there competing, but a lot happened with him with drop balls. I mean, this is a guy that is projected to be an inline blocker, you know, maybe in a day three pick, not really in the first four rounds. Uh, Obviously, Deion Sims, he was probably out of the bunch of Will Golston and Le'Veon Bell. He was probably, in my opinion, the best candidate to stay for another year on the team, but he certainly forwent that and and decided to compete. 
in the NFL scouting combine. Uh, before we get to Johnny Adams and before we get to Chris Norman news, I want to bring in Josh with us, who is basically, I'm sure, Josh, you are working on a couple other things right now, but have you been catching up with the scouting combine? I have, yeah. I was surprised a little bit by uh, his 40 time as well, running a 4.75, mm-hmm. which I think was eighth among 15 tight ends that were there. Right. And and it's just sort of, with Dion, the key has always been he's got great hands and great speed for someone as big as he is. Mm-hmm. And so for those things to kind of be lacking at the combine, I think this was pretty surprising. Yeah, uh, surprising is the least because I, I think the surprising part, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, is there's a lot of pressure on him right now. I mean, this is a guy that his performance, sure, he was that leader on the receiving core, you know, when receivers weren't catching balls. But this is the guy that obviously probably would have had a bigger draft stock if he stayed a little bit longer at Michigan State. I think the one thing that the DM was considering, he didn't want to say it, uh, obviously going up to the draft, but the, the real question was he's been hurt every year at Michigan State. And so that's something that you can maybe get by with if you have a real productive year like he had this year, but mm-hmm. a fourth year with injuries, and now that's a real legitimate issue for him. Can he stay healthy at the pro level where they play more games and they hit harder? So I think he had to sort of take this chance now because he didn't know if he'd get another one. No, that's actually a great point because besides the fact that you know there's an injury, I'm sure that there are some scouts and 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 you know personnel with each team that are that are experts when it comes to injuries. They know how long certain injuries hold a player up. They know how long you know with the injuries that Dion had. You know when it comes to his lower body injuries, they know how grueling that can be on him. You know, so I definitely see that side of it. Now Johnny Adams is running tomorrow, Josh. Uh, how do you think he's going to fare with the rest of the defensive backs? I think Johnny Adams might surprise some MSU people just because he's kind of been someone that had a little bit of a target on his back this year, not really drawing a lot of love from the fans. But he's going to put up, I think, solid numbers at the combine, make himself a, a decent shot for a late pick. Right. And I think he's going to hang around in the league for a little while. So he's, got, he's got very good ball skills, uh, above average speed. And, and I just think he's the type of guy that in a league right now that covets corners more than anything else, he could make a big difference on a team for, for seven, eight years as a nickel. Yeah, no, interesting you say that. So out of the four that are on the combine that are at the combine right now with Golston, Bell, Johnny, and, and even Deion Sims, who in your eyes is going to have the best career? I mean, you mentioned that Adams can make a career, you know, as that defensive back as teams are craving some of those guys, but do you see Bell with his performance as being the leading candidate at this point? I, I would probably lean that way. I think going into the combine I would have said Deion Sims uh, mm-hmm. just because he has that Rare combination of being six foot five, two hundred eighty pounds, uh, good hands, uh, good speed. But I think after what what Le'Veon did, cutting his weight down a little bit, running a four six, which is better than Monty Ball ran, uh, and obviously everyone at Michigan State knows about the power that he runs with. Right. Uh, I think I think Le'Veon is going to have a very productive uh, five or six year spurt, which is you know the NFL running back. That's that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, and you mentioned with Deion Sims, you know, six foot five, you know, he actually dropped now to two sixty, you know, two sixty five. So coming into the combine, he's got some weight off his back, uh, you know. And this is a guy that you know he's that inline blocker. You know, they you know, there's another guy. I think he, he was a Stanford tight end who's six eight, two sixty. You know, who's also a tight end. You know, an inline blocker. So uh, that, that's right. the thing that most teams, I'm sure, definitely value. Uh, my next question for you, Josh, just basically wrapping up the combine here, is about Chris Norman. I mean, Chris Norman. You know, MSU linebacker had maybe a little bit of, of pro hopes. Obviously, there are a lot of great linebackers coming out in this draft, but he's forbidding the NFL draft to go into the seminary. He wants to open 
ultimately a ministry in Detroit. Uh, do you think that maybe that was a wrong move? Do you think he had maybe a little bit of pro potential there, Josh? Or? I, I think he did. Obviously, when Chris came to Michigan State, he was he was one of the, the highest-rated uh, recruits that Mark Antonio ever got. Um, it was supposed to be a, a program changer with, with uh, Max Bullen and, and some of the other guys like Will Golston. And in, in fairness to him, he definitely did that. He was a starter for, for basically three and a half years. Right. Uh, but I, I think that for Chris, you know, this was really the right decision in talking with him a lot throughout the year. Uh, his faith is something that's very important to him. He wanted to, to open a ministry. He wanted to make a difference for, for kids that had uh, difficult backgrounds growing up that he had witnessed firsthand growing up in Detroit. Uh, so I think this is really the right decision for him. It's something that's been very important to him. He, he talked about uh, going on an event in the summer that really opened his eyes a lot. And uh, I just think this is this is a great call for him because it's something he's really passionate about. For those of you just tuning in, Josh Mansour, who is the one of the writers for the State News, covering a lot of sports, he's with us right now, a longtime Spartan. He's been covering the team for years, basketball and football. So great to have him on with us with some good insight. Uh, Josh, even switching from football now, let's talk about the, the two back-to-back losses, the 68-60 in Columbus loss and then the unfortunate Indiana loss last week. Uh what were your thoughts initially, you know, after these back-to-back losses? And, and let's start off with Appling's performance. Uh, these are two straight games against two great teams. Give it that, that, you know, of course, he did not put up the uh, expected performance that Izzo wanted and, and even that I'm sure that a lot of us wanted. But uh, are you concerned at all by his play? Uh, or do you think this is just something that he's, you know, this is just part of playing good teams? I think it is concerning just because going into Ohio State, Izzo said, uh, you know, if you, you want to expect a big bounce back game from anyone, uh, you better believe it's going to come from Keith Appling, and it, it didn't. Uh, I think that some of the issues defensively in terms of guarding Aaron Kraft at a career night are really correctable. Uh, guarding him 40 feet from the basket when he's not an outside threat at all is something that's just a mental mistake. Uh, granted, he was done all night. But I, I think that the offensive stuff, he needs to get his legs back. That, that's the biggest thing his legs, and just sort of a mindset on the floor. It seems sometimes like he's off doing his own thing. He's not really seeming to be in the flow with everyone else. And as the point guard, as the leader, that's the big area he needs to improve. But I, I really trust that, that with more film study and time with, with uh, the coaching staff, he'll get right back to where he was before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's obviously the plan. Now, a lot of a lot of talk, actually, we didn't get to this in the show yet, but when Tom Izzo uh, was on there on the sidelines, there was a big 25-4 to run. Uh some people thought maybe the, a timeout was necessary, and maybe that was too long of a wait. Uh, obviously, you explained a little bit about that, I'm sure, uh, after the game. Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts on the timeout that maybe people thought he should have called? Um, I mean, that, that's a that's a regular Izzo thing. Uh, you know, I remember talking the national championship game against North Carolina when they kept going on runs early. People thought he should have broken up the game with some timeouts. Uh, you know, and, and maybe he should have. But he generally likes to, to leave all of his timeouts until – the absolute end of the first half, where he'll take the one that he has to take without or he'll lose it. Uh, it takes that one within about the last minute of the half, and then generally he'll try and save his timeouts for the second half all the way till the end. Uh, right. They were technically in that game down the stretch, so you could argue that it was good for him to have them. Uh, I guess I would maybe have called one early to try and stop that run, try and get things back on track, but you had media timeouts around then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Mata called an early timeout, so it's not like MSU – Although they were out of sorts, didn't have time to regroup. They just weren't regrouping. Yeah, and, and even the fact that they couldn't regroup, of course, 
You know, they faced Ohio State's Amir Williams, local product, who, you know, played pretty well. Then, of course, Aaron Kraft lighting it up with 21 points, career high. Uh, you know, Aaron Kraft, of course, with, with, with Gary Harris and Keith Appling, a lot to handle. I mean, he's obviously one of the better shooters, you know, probably in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, you know, basically, did you expect this performance from Kraft coming in, Josh, when you were at the game? I, d- I didn't expect it from Aaron Kraft, um, particularly because Keith Appling has been uh, one of the best defensive guards in the Big Ten for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. But the defensive strategy on Kraft just was really mind-boggling, playing him so tightly uh, on all areas of the floor. I mean, there were points where he wasn't even over half court and Keith was right up on him, uh, which just didn't really make a whole lot of sense other than maybe he was getting baited into the type of game Aaron Kraft was playing against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you if you lay off Kraft, the only way Aaron Kraft ever scores is off uh, off drives, off layups, and off free throws. And and so basically, the decision by Michigan State not to give him space, not to allow him to beat you with a jumper, was was really baffling and, and something I didn't see coming. Right now, obviously, they've got Wisconsin, Northwestern in the folds. Options on a Big Ten championship? You think they're going to basically have to rely on the tournament? Maybe a loss here or there from uh, Indiana, Ohio State. Uh, what do you think the chances are like right now with the team? For for a Big Ten title, yeah, yeah, I I think I always believed that that Indiana game for Michigan State was going to be the Big Ten title game. At a facto one, uh, I really feel like the numbers turn heavily in I, whichever team here was able to get that win. And once Indiana got it, all of a sudden the schedule turns real tough for MSU without a lot of time to make up games. Uh, the Ohio State win was an absolute must. Now they're two back with with three to go, and I, I just don't see any way they can make up ground. Uh, when talking to Izzo last week, he said he didn't think Indiana was going to lose more than one more game, mm-hmm. and it's tough to see even that right now. So Michigan State's in some trouble in terms of that. So I think the main focus for them has got to be on seeding for the NCAA tournament and mm-hmm. trying to make a run in March. Absolutely. For those of you just tuning in, Josh Mansour, be reporter for the State News with us right now. Josh, tell us a little bit what you're working on right now. I mean, I know that Steven's been doing a lot of the basketball articles lately. Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been getting ready now. Uh, we're gearing up for the next Michigan game. You know, there's uh, however many years, over 80 years, where they had never played a top-10 game before. Now there's two in two weeks, uh, so that's a big deal. Uh, potentially working on some stuff with uh, concussions and uh, just sort of looking ahead to uh, this final stretch run for Michigan State basketball, if they can, can get another Final Four here. Yeah, speaking of concussion and injuries, what, did you catch the NASCAR uh, whole ordeal this weekend at Daytona? Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you saw that? I, I didn't happen to see the crash. I saw uh, Danica obviously win the pole and finish in the top ten. I saw Jimmy Johnson win, but I, I right. didn't happen to see the crash. Yeah, just just astonishing. You know, 28 injuries, you know, coming up from the spectators. And then you know, if you look at history, I mean, you've seen the 1955 France, the France crash that killed 83. And then, you know, there was one here in Michigan with the Indy race in 1998. So, of course, it's not a, not a, not a really, a, you know, not out of the ordinary kind of thing. You know, we've seen kinds of injuries like that. But a lot of reform, a lot of attention given to this. So we'll see from there. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the air with us, spending some time and talking about some Michigan State sports. Always appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Alex. All right, take care. Josh Mansour with us, if you are just tuning in. Again, we'd like to remind you that we have our annual question of the week. How it works is each week we ask a question, and if you get the answer correctly, you will receive a pair of passes to see Russell Crowe and Mark Wahlberg in Broken City, the brand new film at Celebration Cinema. You can find more info by calling 517-393-7469 or CelebrationCinema.com has all the info you need. Thank you, Celebration Cinema. We want to remind you, you can win once a week. So keep staying tuned for our score of the week 
every week right here on Impact 89FM. Uh, moving from Michigan State sports, we've got about 12 minutes to go. I want to talk about some Red Wings and Tigers. And like Josh said, yes, Danica finishing in the top 10. Jamie Johnson winning the race. Uh, you know, it's a big deal. Danica being the first girl ever, you know, in that tier one seating, you know, to place as high as she did. So congrats to her. And then, of course, leading for a lap. So that was good to see as well. Alongside with Danica, uh, I want to talk now about the Detroit Tigers. Yes, spring training is back. And our trivia question has something to do with that. And it's which Tigers young gunner, Basically, which Tigers, uh, which young up and coming Tigers player hit his first home run today uh, in spring training? So, if you know the answer to that, this very up and coming prospect, feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Chat for your opportunity to win a pair of tickets. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you'd like to comment on anything so far during the show, feel free to call in. Uh, alongside with, you know, the, the alongside with all that, uh, you've also got to look uh, at some very big issues. And what I mean by that is, there's some very big issues with this Detroit Tiger team. Uh, of course, you know, you have plenty of talent coming in, but you lost Papa Grande. You lost, you lost, you know, that that firing up, you know, ending bullpen guy. You lost the guy that's going to do his usual routine, take two steps down and and do his usual squat before he, before he walks on the mound. Now, placing Papa Grande, Jose Valverde, is Bruce Rondon. You know, this is a young guy who throws a lot of fire, He's got that Joel Zamaya heat, you know, 100 miles an hour plus. Uh, obviously, if he doesn't work out, a lot of question marks with this team. So if you're a Tiger fan listening to, to this right now, is Bruce Run in the move, and do you see him ultimately working out? I mean, if what you've seen from him in AAA, what you've heard, what you've heard about him for through several media sources, tell us on the sports app what you think is the key issue with Bruce Run and, and his success. Uh, Alongside with Bruce Rondon, while we're waiting for those calls at 517-432-3893, let's talk about Victor Martinez. Yes, he's back after missing a whole year of injuries, along with one of his first games back. Uh, basically, Victor Martinez had three hits. Uh, along his three hits, he had a home run, a single, and a three-run fourth. That came to a tie. Tigers have not lost yet, tying to Philly and being the Braves. So, very good to see. Verlander, in his spring debut, uh, pitched a scoreless first. Gave a double right after that, but then, like, uh, you know, that's Ryan Howard. You're going to get, you know, sometimes with a double against one of the top hitters in the league, debatably. But then, uh, you know, two, three innings, three innings, one run, no walks, two strikeouts. Pretty good outing for Justin Verlander, you know, the reigning MVP coming back. Uh, alongside with Verlander, some more Detroit Tigers questions that we want to get to. Uh, is basically this lineup. And one thing that I want to get to is the power of Miguel Cabrera coming off the Triple Crown. This is Miguel Cabrera that, in spring training today, hit a home run over the Tiki Bar in Lakeland. Over. Yes. Uh, actually, no, that was in Clearwater but because they were playing the Phillies. But over the Tiki Bar, yes, and out of the stadium. Literally, he hammered the home run right when it left the bat. I mean, this this was so seen all over. Uh, amazing to see the, the reigning Triple Crown winner coming out in full swing, regardless if it's spring training or not. Uh, more questions with this team is the productivity. Uh, yes, and it's going to come from that bottom half of the lineup. The Tigers were supposed to maybe acquire an outfielder. They were looking to maybe make a last-minute deadline deal last year. Uh, but, of course, adding the bat of Torrey Hunter with his veteran abilities is always a plus. I'm sure many people are excited to see what he can bring. And, of course, during spring training, we'll get to see that game in and game out. But for right now, the Tigers still got some work to do. 
terms of establishing their lineup for the season. Uh, besides for the Tigers, I want to go into a little bit segment right now about the Detroit Red Wings. They dropped five straight over the last two weeks, uh, five-game losing skid, but it was suddenly ended. That was dominating the Vancouver Canucks last night, 8-3 to three in a rout. Damian Brunner, the newly acquired forward, had two goals and two assists. Joachim Anderson scored twice for the Wings as well as they made their route. And remember, that, that was their losing streak. Uh, you know, they ended their streak with a 4 nothing win over Nashville on Saturday night. And then follow up with this this Canucks 8-3 to blowout. So 8-3 to over the Canucks, 4 to nothing over Nashville. You know, and that Nashville game was a very, very highly televised game. You know, possibly one of the best games of the week. So very nice to see it. It looks like the Red Wings are heading up. And the important thing to know about the Red Wings is there's some scare with Jimmy Howard because last week... As uh, Jan Mersak was in goal, uh, and uh, he was obviously pretty ready, uh, excuse me, just back in the lineup for that, uh, Jimmy Howard had some blurred vision, and that's right. He, he came back against the Columbus Blue Jackets last week, but he left the Nashville game because of the blurry vision. He got it all checked out, but I guess it was okay. But he was ready to return. He could see okay now for some reason. Uh, it wasn't really clear what the blurry vision was. Maybe he had a bad migraine headache. But again, as Josh Mansour talked about, he's doing a little feature on concussions. Concussions, injuries, all of these things limit players constantly throughout the year. So it could have been one of those examples. One of the things that limited Jimmy Howard was a consistent hockey injury. And of course, there's all the equipment for that. But I'm sure as we'll get into the sports wrap later this year, we'll see a whole lot more. Now, another article coming out from Yahoo and, and from many other media sources. This is from Tom Itzos. Uh, is realignment in the NHL. And Tom is saying that for the Detroit Red Wings, them moving from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference is a no-brainer. The Detroit Red Wings and the Columbus Blue Jackets right now, they're the only two teams in the Eastern time zone who are in the Western Conference. Of course, the Wings have been in the Western Conference for decades. But of course, this new plan is supposed to work well with scheduling. And if the Detroit Red Wings switch, they would... Leave their conference right now with Chicago, Columbus, you know, Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Dallas. But that was the four conference plan. But uh, they leave their, you know, their division right now with Chicago, Columbus, uh, St. Louis, and uh, and Nashville. But they would leave that conference and go into a conference with Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabers, Florida Panthers, the Montreal Canadiens, the Ottawa Senators. Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So if they did that, that's the conference they would get to. Uh, Not sure if that necessarily is the smart move, the right move, but we want to hear from you. We've got five minutes left in the show. 517-432-3893 is the number. Is realignment for the Red Wings the right move? Do you think that the Red Wings had the right mindset going into this realignment that 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 an Eastern Conference is ultimately going to be the best? Imagine a conference for the Detroit Red Wings that you you know they're going to be competing against Sidney Crosby and Malkin game in and game out. This isn't just uh, a typical NHL Finals matchup. You're going to see it when the Detroit Red Wings are facing top goalies around the league. They're going to face that up and coming Florida Panther team. I mean NHL realignment. If you just take realignment here for a second, uh, and and all these new proposed plans, and we've seen it with the BCS. We've seen it with you know with the with the with the NBA. And and yes, it's still a little bit. Uh, unclear whether that's the correct move. It's still a little bit unclear whether an overall realignment will happen, but according to some media sources, it looks like it is the right move indeed. 
along with the media realignment and the Detroit Red Wings, that they could be heading in the right direction. Uh, it's also important to note that, uh, along with moving out east, remember, this is a Roberto Luongo. Uh, you know, this is a Roberto Luongo team in this Canucks route that also had Daniel, Daniel Sidney. Uh, this is a very, very good Vancouver Canucks team. And to see them route the Canucks when it mattered most was tremendous. I personally think the Wings could come back. I think they could beat the Blackhawks when it counts. I think they can come up to the division, make a four or five seed playoff run. It's very possible. Sure, they lost Lidstrom. There are still a lot of defensive replacements needed, but I wouldn't count it out quite yet. Now it's time when we've got uh, about three minutes to go left in the show. It's time for our annual... of the week. That's right. It's our annual Goon of the Week. Uh, and of course, we have our score of the week this week uh, brought to you by Celebration Cinema in Broken City. If you want to win a pair of passes to Broken City, you can do that by tweeting in or calling us with the answer to the trivia question. But besides that, we want to talk about our Goon of the Week. Yes, uh, we're going to jump a little bit to national. Last week, we talked about former Pistons coach Sidney Lowe, who was jailed because he didn't pay his income tax returns. Yes, Sidney Lowe, the current Utah Jazz assistant coach, was jailed because he didn't file his income tax returns for three years. You can't really get much of a goon than that. But we've got another goon this week. Yes, it's Carmelo Anthony because he got into another skirmish. We've seen him with referees. We've seen him with other players. But he got into another skirmish with Spencer Hawes. You know, Spencer Hawes, the center out of Philly. Uh, basically, this is what happened. As, as a shot went up, Spencer Hawes and, and, and Carmelo Anthony were going towards the basket. And Carmelo Anthony was nudging him a little bit. They both were trying to get positions. But as Carmelo Anthony... Uh, was slowly going up for the ball. He moves his hand in an upward position, his right hand up, and hits Spencer Hawes in the back of the head. Spencer Hawes quickly jumps, turns around, does a 180, starts screaming in his face. Tyson Chandler comes over, and he gets at him a little bit. But the current ruling was was that out of that angrily approach from Hawes to Anthony, but pushed away by, by Tyson Chandler, Spencer Hawes and Chandler received double technicals, and Anthony... Also, with double technicals, was called for a flagrant foul. He said that prior to that, Spencer Hawes el- elbowed him prior to the incident. But come on, Carmelo Anthony, if Spencer Hawes is elbowing you prior to your little bong, you know, your bang over the head, uh, you know, the you pull a little Flintstones action here. Then uh, what I'm trying to understand is is why on earth would you re- retaliate in front of the referee while he's watching? To, to basically get yourself a, a double technical, a flagrant foul, and then get your own, basically your own starting center, a double technical as well. Almost tossing the game. So congratulations, Carmelo Anthony, because not only were you a goon of the week, but you cost your team a total of two, well, now three double technicals, and that's not even counting all the other double technicals this year from Carmelo Anthony. So congratulations for our goon of the week. That was Carmelo Anthony certainly making a statement. And here's the other thing, just to cap off this segment, is every time you play a basketball game, you get nudges. You get nudges from football players, and I'm pretty sure that LeBron James, the phenom that he is himself, the freak of nature that he is, I'm sure he's taken a couple nudges himself too. And the difference between Carmelo and LeBron, in my eyes here, is that LeBron can channel taking an elbow. Most players can channel an elbow. There's no reason to knock a Flintstone above the head. 
That's going to do it for our Goon of the Week and our annual Spartan Sports Wrap right here on Impact 89 FM. Just want to remind you, we'll be back next Monday as we have a actual a surprise special guest. Don't want to give it away. Last week we had Clarissa Bell, Josh Mansour joined us today from the State News. Next week we've got a pretty good special guest, so I definitely want to keep that more of a secret and invite you to stay tuned. Next Monday from 7 to 8 right here on Impact 89 FM. From Dylan Behind the Glass doing a great job as usual, I'm Alex Shark. Happy Monday, everyone. Go Pistons, go Red Wings. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89 FM.